0: In the latest episode of Vamos Verde, we are going to talk to one of the most prolific goal scorers in Major League Soccer history, Austin FC striker, Giazzi Artis.
1: We also talked to some folks who have been bringing the soundtrack to Austin's nightlife for over 20 years and are now providing the soundtrack at Q2 Stadium, their official DJ collective, Peligrosa. That's the latest episode of Vamos Verde. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: From KUT and KUTX Studios.
2: Hello and welcome to This Song, the podcast that asks artists to talk about songs that transform them in some way. I'm here today with my co-host, Taylor Wallace. Hello. Hey, Taylor. Hey. And actually... Taylor did an intro for this song before her interview with Holly Miranda, and I like it so much that I would like to play it right now because I think it's so good. Are you cool with that, Taylor?
1: Totally cool with that. Excellent. This podcast seeks to answer the question, what song can be credited with having shaped you into the musician you are today? This podcast is a beautiful gluttonous monster imbibing every amazing story that we can from as many talented musicians as possible. This is this song, usually hosted by Elizabeth McQueen. I'm Taylor Wallace, filling in, and I'm sitting here today with Holly Miranda. Yes, we are a gluttonous monster. (laughs) How did you even come up with that term? I love it. I don't know if I can talk about that on the Uh, air. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I definitely want to hear this story
2: later. (laughs) In this episode of This Song, we sat down with three artists. We sat down with Holly Miranda, Johnny Gowdy, and our Artist of the Month for August, David Ramirez. And they all talked about songs that they heard in their youth that transformed them into the songwriters that they are today. Now, Taylor, you were the one who interviewed Holly Miranda. Mm -hmm. She is a singer-songwriter. She's from Detroit. Originally, yes. Originally. But
1: I hear that right now she's kind of... She doesn't really have a home right now. She's touring. She's doing all kinds of stuff all over the place. So while Detroit is her hometown, she doesn't really call any city home right now. She's just nomadic American. American nomad.
2: (laughs) American (laughs) nomad. I like that classification. And you sat down with her after her studio one a performance. She came in back in July and... She talked about a song that she heard that kind of opened
1: her up to kind of
2: honesty in songwriting.
1: Yes, and I think it was it was it was either a song. It might have been the whole Annie DeFranco album that she was referring to.
2: She talked about one song, but then she kind of referenced the whole right. album. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think she had to like pick one she wanted the album, but she like had to pick the the one song from that album, the this song. Yes,
2: exactly. <laughs> well, let's hear about her experience of Ani DeFranco right now, which as a child of the nineties I have my own, but I'll talk about that later. Um, here is Holly Miranda. Hi.
1: Hey, Holly. <laughs> so, Holly, what song can be credited with having gotten you to where you are today?
3: Um, I think Ani DeFranco's Dilate was the song that um, got me to write a song.
1: And you are so lame. You always disappoint me.
3: It's kind of like a running joke.
1: It's really not funny. And I
3: just want you to live up to the image of you I create. I see you and I'm
1: so unsatisfied. I see you and I die. I will- wow. Okay. So yeah. how how old were you when you came upon Ani DeFranco and then also the song?
3: I was uh, 14. And I had um, I'd been teaching myself guitar and kind of gotten as far as I could. Uh, I was learning by just finding uh, chords online of songs that I already knew and kind of gotten as far as I could on my own. And so I started taking lessons from um, this guy in Pontiac, Michigan. And, um, and I brought in a couple songs I wanted to learn and he asked me if I'd ever heard of Ani Defranco, which I had not. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a pretty sheltered, Pentecostal, uh-huh. there wasn't, you know, a lot of secular music happening. Um, so that night I I went home and, and I was talking to my friend on the phone and I asked him if he'd ever heard of Ani and he's like, yeah, I bought this record of hers last year, but I don't know, I'm not really into it. You can have it. Mm-hmm. So he brought it over. He had it in a, it was like contraband. He left it in a baggie hanging off the side of the porch oh my gosh, and I had to run yeah. out, you know, in my pajamas and grab it and sneak back in before my parents would see and I remember taking it upstairs and putting on my headphones, opening up the the CD booklet and reading along the lyrics to mm-hmm. every song. And uh, and it was just mind-blowing for me because I had no idea that you could be so honest. Like I just, you know, I'd, it was Christian music or it was Motown was sort of, you know, right. and I just, I didn't know that you could write from such a... Uh, you know biographical or metaphors and just like it, it would just yeah it totally blew my mind so I walk the plank yeah I'll jump with a smile if I'm gonna go down I'm
1: gonna do it with style and you won't see me surrender you won't hear me confess cause you've left me with nothing but I've worked with less and I learned it and so, you, if your parents would have found that CD, it just, you could, it, you, it really was oh like God. contraband. I mean, you yeah. really did. It was like this. There was it, so it, many
3: f bombs. <laughs> She's talking about sleeping with women and men and like, you know, everything that was totally wrong and exciting. I gotta cover my butt, cause I covered another man's wife. I got to divide my emotions into wrong and right night. Like See how close I can get to it without giving in and I get the and till I break the skin,
1: yeah, get the did, did your parents ever find the CD? Um the no. I,
3: I was I never really got
1: caught. Uh-huh. My sisters got caught.
3: Um my sister was actually ripping off Columbia House. Remember those um those cardboard inserts that would be in the magazine? Yes. That was uh-huh. like you know, sign up twelve of your friends and right, get exactly. like one free mm-hmm. CD for a penny or like whatever, but it was pre-internet. Now I'm showing my age. And um and so she was doing that, but getting all the CDs. Like she was like like CDs were coming to our house addressed to like Belinda Carlisle and stuff. To <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. <ended laughs> and she would pay me in pennies to go out to the mailbox and collect them. And so I was the only one that knew that they were there. And that was kind of, you know, started getting me into to like different kinds of music. It was the first time I heard the cure nine inch nails and eventually one day my dad did find that box and he read the lyrics to the nine inch nails record about um can i swear
1: uh well yeah go ahead Uh
3: about effing the devil in the backseat of the car and Ah. i remember him breaking that in half and then selling those (laughs) but i never got caught i was pretty sneaky Yeah,
1: that's awesome. I just imagine like (laughs) the way to hide CDs, you could just it's very easy. I mean, like I just imagine like the the smallest like crevice, it just Mm -hmm. has to be (laughs) large enough to just like slide it through.
3: I actually cut I had like remember those like Teddy Ruxpins. I know exactly what you're talking about. I did a slit in the inside the silk where the battery went in (laughs) and took the stuffing out of the bear and I would hide things in the bear and then just leave it sitting on my bed like the most obvious, of course, like they're That's gonna brilliant. look. They're gonna look under your mattress. They're gonna look in the back of your underwear drawer.
1: They're gonna look they're in gonna that look in mysterious your box in the back of the closet. Yeah. They're uh-huh. never
3: gonna think to look inside look of your teddy, Rux, teddy bear, which like your is
1: your teddy rucksbin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With his like. I was hiding all brands. sorts of stuff in that bear. Yeah. That's
3: there you awesome. go, kids. <laughs> <laughs> The days are shorter but the nights are long We could fuck in the sun and dance till dawn And all I want is to be your girl Black holes in the skies to the ends of the world but rocks in your pockets, the world for
1: That is a crazy story. Right? Like Yeah, it's very like Jeffrey Eugenity Eugenities from like the Virgin Suicides and Lux Lisbon having to hide having to hide her CDs from James Woods. <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, her parents, I guess. I love the whole like added kind of Columbia House thing in
2: there too. Like I yeah. heard actually that Columbia House just went out of business finally. Oh no. I don't know how they stayed in business. <laughs>
1: So not an oh, no, as a good job. Yeah, <laughs> but
2: but um, I really enjoyed hearing that, and I really enjoyed listening to your interview. Thank you so much Thank for Thank you. I'm glad to do it. Well, next up, we have Johnny Gowdy. He is in a band called Skyrocket, which is, like, the coolest cover band you'll ever hear. He also has his own stuff that he does um, with his own band and his own music, and he has a podcast called How Did I Get Here, where he interviews everyone, and I do mean everyone, about their lives and their music and their art it's really cool you should definitely check it out and he talked about a song he heard as a teenager that opened up a longing for longing you know what i'm talking about taylor Mm -hmm. that teenage longing longing for experiences beyond yourself how how did you even put it that well that's perfect (laughs) (laughs) thanks english degree (laughs) ladies and gentlemen johnny Gowdy. So I'm here with Johnny Gowdy at KTX Studios, and Johnny has a podcast called How Did I Get Here? Yeah. Which is awesome. Thank you. And usually you're the one interviewing people.
4: I usually am.
2: But today I get to interview you. Yes. So so what song, do you have a song for us? Something yes. that kind of transformed you?
4: Yeah. Shook you up? What, yeah. what is it? It's a song called Love My Way by the Psychedelic Furs.
2: I know Love My Way. You know Love My yeah. Way? Yeah, okay. yeah, totally.
4: song. Yeah, it's kind of a, like a mid-popularity song. Yeah,
2: it's not. It's definitely not the most popular psychedelic first song. No. Obviously. No. That would be pretty in pink. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's. Yeah. You're not going to find a. a yeah. A skyrocket show. Love you my wouldn't way.
2: play love my way at a skyrocket show.
4: No. Probably not. It's a little too slow.
2: And it, it's a little. It's a little too inside baseball, maybe.
4: Maybe so. Maybe a little too inside.
2: <laughs> so, how old were you when you heard love my way?
4: Um, I was 14. Or, yeah late 13 or early 14 when it came out and i had just started uh playing like playing in a band and stuff i just started uh seeing mtv and there was something about that song and sort of the landscape that was going on musically there was something emotional that was happening in that song that i i was i wasn't there yet you know what i mean mostly but i i knew that i wanted to feel that way so i could write songs that that felt like. Does that make sense? Yeah.
2: Like yeah, that I mean, was it's... the
4: first time I ever heard a song, and I was like, I want to write songs that feel like that. Even though I don't know exactly what it is, I want to feel like that and spread that.
2: Do you remember like what? I mean, if you hadn't felt it that way, do you remember what you kind of thought that feeling was, or how, what, it, or how it yeah. made you actually like feel? I
4: I thought it was like this weird kind of loneliness, and like and and like longing for something, which is totally you know a pubescent it's a feeling that you can latch onto when you're when you're in that at that age.
2: Oh yeah, I mean it's how you start to feel I guess around 14 like a Yeah. like a like a loneliness but I feel like when you're a teenager you start to feel that way and you don't understand why you're feeling that way. Like why what is this longing? What is this
4: yeah, you don't know what it is, but I wanted to feel it so that I could, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I, it, I knew it was profound in some way, and it made people make this kind of. And for some reason, the simplicity of it let like all the melodies come through. I didn't really get the words, but then like it, it ends with this weird lyric like, "You don't ever win or lose if you don't run the race." And I'm just like, "God, you gotta get in there. You gotta <laughs> fall in love with someone." <laughs> <laughs> so have your heart broken and then be really sad and make music like this.
2: So that was the goal. It yeah. was like I want my heart yeah, broken yeah. so that I can write a song. Yeah, I
4: figured you really you really did have to do that to, to get to get what this wasn't a fake thing with these guys.
2: Time so did you like sit down and try to learn love my way? Yeah,
4: and I was having a hard time. And uh, um, local producer Mark Hallman, mm-hmm. who I knew then and was my mentor at that age. Because like,
2: you're an Austin guy, like you grew up
4: right. But I lived in the Woodlands in that time. But my oh, okay. mom was friends with him and his wife, mm-hmm. and then I became friends with him. And I was fascinated with him. And he was cool enough to let me call him and ask him questions about stuff. And so I did ask him. I found out what a half step, you know, movement was, and I was like, oh, that's. That's kind of like, that's not like a G to D. That's like, a, oh, it feels, right. it feels like a little bit different. Like, oh, you know, something bad's going to happen. It
2: actually, like when you did that, your chest actually exploded. Like it makes my chest cave in. It
4: does, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, yeah, so so uh, he he told me the chords. And then, you know, it's not like a guitar song. And I was playing guitar and no, no, it's you not. You can't really tell what the guitar is actually doing, but it's just... Kind of doing a couple it's of It's kind boards.
2: of a Patty Synth song more than anything else. They like, they like kind of
4: yeah. yeah, it's like a more of the drums are kind of carrying it. And it's a Todd Runger in production. Oh. Which features Flo and Eddie singing those haunting backing vocals at the end of that song, which to me take it over the top. It's Flo and Eddie from Who the Turtles. Flo and Eddie from the, the Turtles. S- the, 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 I, I'm, I'm. They sang well, they were the singer from the Turtles and 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 the curly-haired guy with the glasses. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They couldn't use their names legally, so <laughs> they sang for Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. And their their career, they were being sued so much that they had to invent a new name. And and uh, and and Frank Zappa named them uh, Eddie and the Fluorescent Leech. <laughs> And so they shortened that to Flo and Eddie.
2: Well, I actually don't know this Yeah, Howard Kalen
4: also. and Mark Bowman. That's, those, are, those are their real names. so happy together. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: So do they... So... Did they go under Howard Kalin and Mark Bowman in The Turtles? And then they had to yeah. change and then it to
4: Flow and Eddie, yeah. I think they're credited as as Howard Kalin and and Mark Bowman on this record. Okay. It's them on all the T Rex records, it's them on Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen. You'd be amazed at, at the songs that they sang back up on.
2: I did not know yeah, yeah. It, that prim- primarily what they did besides like the Turtles. That's stuff. how they
4: that's how they kept their themselves in business in the seventies. They they became these backing vocalists.
2: Was that your phone? Yeah, I'm sorry. That was beautiful, actually. <laughs> like they became these backing vocalists.
4: <laughs> but yeah.
2: Um. Oh, okay. So did you know this stuff at the time? Like, no. were you did, no I didn't reading know liner that. notes? Did you go out and buy the record?
4: Yes, I did. And then I knew who Todd Rundgren was. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that he had produced it, and that that I thought was real interesting. And that was the first time I knew that that rock stars could produce stuff, and I thought that that was real cool. Oh, cool. Because also Mark Hallman did that as well. So I was like, okay. Like, this is the kind of guy I want to be like whoever the behind the scenes guy here because he knows what's going on
2: so you want to be you like also it's like I want to I want to write a song like this and I want to be a guy like yeah. Todd Rundgren, like yeah the guy who's the musician and the producer yeah
4: Hello, it's-
2: Did you ever have you but you haven't covered it. You haven't covered it in Skyrocket. Obviously. I've never
4: I've never covered it on a recording, but I have played that song live, Elizabeth, since I learned it in nineteen eighty two or eighty three and uh still play it live to this day. Do you, I do like a solo acoustic version. It's weird. Oh nice. Do yeah. you
2: do you go there? Like do you go to that emotional place? Yeah. I when go right there. It, like,
4: I never get tired of hearing it. I never get tired of playing it. I love it so much.
2: And have you ever tried to write "Love My Like" Johnny yes, version? Many of times.
4: I've <sighs> taken the drum track and uh, programmed it into a drum machine, and just tried to write a song in like that. Yeah, I have many mm-hmm. times. I think there are a few songs that that are incredibly informed by that song of mine.
2: And did did you have to get your heart broken before you could write a song like that? Like yeah, hey, yeah.
4: Yeah, it wasn't soon after that I started getting my heart broken. I figured the key, and you just kind of you know you do when you're like that age the drama of it all is just you so want great it so
2: bad you want it so bad oh man you want like and when you look back i feel like there's a sadness and a seriousness that comes from being like you know a middle american teenager that it's like you you want that depression yeah so bad but then when you look and and you maybe you write songs. You want to put on it. a
4: trench coat and walk through through a city in cold weather, just thinking, yeah, just being sad yes. by yourself, surrounded yes. by people.
2: I remember, I remember, like <laughs> you know that movie "Pump Up the Volume" with Christian Slater. Yeah. I was a huge Christian Slater fan, and like I remember making, like I would make, I made a tape. You know, and I had like all these musings about how you know there was nothing new in the world, and I was so depressed, like I t- you know, and right, put it all right. on tape because I thought maybe one day I'd play it on the radio and people would hear it and be inspired to be depressed or something. But, yeah. but then you look back on it, I mean, don't you look back on your teenage years and you think, what were you, what were you trying to, like?
4: I just wanted to be a grown up. I wanted to be out yeah. there doing it. I couldn't. Uh, school thing was dumb. Everyone was just weird.
2: Were you playing in a band at fourteen?
4: Yeah. Yeah, and I just, I figured, like, there's no, this is, like, I felt like it was holding me, I felt like I was just losing time. Every day when I was at school, I was like, ah, this is, just like, I'm not getting closer to this goal. What's the goal at the Can't time Can't a musician? Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, from the get, like, from the second I wanted to be a musician, then that's all I wanted, at and I just old never stopped. And you when you decided you wanted to be a musician? Thirteen.
2: Like, thir- oh, so, like, a year yeah. previous. Oh, yeah. You're like- not even
4: a year, just a few months before. Right before I turned fourteen,
2: was it when you picked up an instrument, or was it? No,
4: because I've been I've been learning uh, an instrument. This is actually I did this on the uh, on the soundtrack series. I went to a Cheap Trick concert when I was thirteen, mm-hmm. and I was confused. And I've been taking guitar lessons. And there was a girl that was incredibly attracted to Robin Zander from Cheap Trick because he played guitar, and she told me that. And I was like, "Wait a minute, I play guitar," <laughs> and then I was like, "This is it." I love music anyway, and this so is it. it really, this is really, like my identity. Yeah, oh yeah.
2: You really have the story of like, it was, it was, it was the was. I girls. know the moment, yeah. Oh, what, like you... It was the in the parking lot,
4: element. yeah, of the Sunrise Musical Theater in Hollywood, Florida, where this girl told me that when we were leaving the Cheap Trick concert, and I turned to her and I said, I play guitar. Did it work? Did you get... No, not at all. She was older than me, <laughs> but, but I was in... You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. then I was like, you know, that, that time in puberty where you don't know where you belong, all of a sudden, like, I didn't fit into any actual, So, like, I wasn't a good enough athlete to be an athlete. I wasn't uh, smart enough to be a smart person. I wasn't bad enough to be a hoodlum. <laughs> where does that come to? Hoodlum. Hoodlum. It's,
2: it's, uh, ho- hoodlum or hoodlum. Yeah, it's uh, like It's such a cute word. I was going to say a, hooligan. Like, <laughs> I like to say ne'er-do-well. I was, Neir, neir-duo. Neir-duo. I was gonna you be, wanted to be a do I was
4: gonna be. I was gonna. I wanted to go back to. to yeah, well, no, I wanted to be something, but I just didn't fit in a thing. And I had this other friend, and he had been taking guitar lessons too. So I was like, I found our the answer to this.
2: Was that you would be a musician? We're
4: gonna be in a band, and we just got we just got to figure this out. And my mom knows this guy, <laughs> <laughs> and I can ask him whatever we want. He produces Carol King and tours with Dan Fogelberg. I mean, he does rock and roll stuff. We can ask him.
2: Oh wow! Yeah,
4: why? Why? Like I couldn't figure out what distortion was. Like I had an electric guitar, I had an amp, and I'm like, why was it? Why is it, why it going? It... <laughs> so I had to ask him. He told me.
2: Oh, yeah. that is really cool. And then yeah. when you hear "Love My Way," you call him up and you say, "I don't understand why this song, how this song moves around Ex- or where the chords are." Exactly. And he says, This is what you do.
4: I'm like, I don't hear. A, I didn't hear a guitar, and he was like, "No, but there's these. These are the chords. This is what's going on underneath."
2: Did you? Did you end up recording with Mark Hallman?
4: Oh yeah, I've recorded with Mark Coleman. Oh yeah,
2: living the dream. Yeah,
4: yeah, we're still dear friends. Excellent. Yeah, and he's the guy that interviewed me for for how did I get here.
2: Oh, I want to listen to that episode. Okay. Okay. Excellent.
4: Go back and listen to it.
2: Well, so love my way. Is there any? Is are, there any what? I'm trying to think of a. I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to think of. Like, when you've written your love my way songs, okay, has it been successful? Like, have you gotten there? Have you gotten to that like?
4: Well, the fact that you don't know the songs <laughs> and you have to ask me—no, no, like did I actually? Oh, you mean like not commercially successful?
2: Not co- yeah, I mean you know, commercially successful is a whole other thing. Uh, did you did you did you feel like you achieved? Like, yeah, because I feel like totally. It's all about like feeling something, and then saying like I want to transmit that feeling to other people. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's yeah.
4: There's a song I wrote called um, "Everyone Remembers When You're Cool," and it's on an album of mine called. Uh, uh, boy in a box and you can find it on itunes and spotify and stuff and that that song you can has a half step movement it's very subtle it's very kind of like not super slow but not fast
2: yeah we just kind yeah. of love my way yeah like, yeah it's not, it's not a super slow song no. but it's like you could dance to it yeah. oh great well that that's what i'll i i'll go out and find that song and yeah. we'll, we'll play it on the podcast All right. cool well thanks so much for coming thank in. Really you for having me it. right on
4: Give me your power In one of your poses And go till you're dead It's all coming up roses Everyone remembers when you're cool
2: And below us, you're listening to Johnny Gowdy's Everyone Remembers When You're Cool from his record, Boy In a box, and I mean, I remember Taylor being a teenager and just like feeling like I wasn't angsty enough. I wanted to be more angsty.
1: I can relate to that. I mean, I was pretty angsty, but I felt like um, I was if if I was too happy, I wasn't I wasn't getting it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I still feel that way today. If I (laughs) if I'm having too good of a day, I'm missing something. (laughs) If you're happy, you're not paying attention. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I really enjoyed talking to Johnny. And you should check out his podcast sometime. How did I get here? It's totally cool. Yeah. cool. You'll learn a lot about like Everyone. Because everyone. everyone's on his podcast. It's really cool. Um, and finally, we're going to listen to our last interview with our Artist of the Month here at KUTX, David Ramirez. He has a new record out called Fables, and it's his first record in three years. And he's going to talk about a song he heard as a kid that he just like fell in love with like but fell kind of into and it still informs his songwriting today although it's a surprising song because taylor i bet you're expecting that it's a singer songwriter song i might i might might, you might be expecting that well it's not so here here he is (laughs) david ramirez I'm here in studio one A with David Ramirez, and he just did a performance. And now I get to hear about a song that transformed you in some way. And I'm very interested to hear what this song. Yeah, is. Yeah, I mean,
0: when I was when I was told that we'd do this interview and use that word "transform," I got really nervous. Oh, really? Just, I think it's such a heavy word. Like transformed. Okay. I gotta, well, for a while gotta, we were using the word like song
2: important. Yeah, like right. what's an important right. song as opposed to like a favorite song. But it's just kind of sussed out that, like, a lot of people have talked about like transformative songs. Right. I didn't know that that was a heavy word, though.
0: Oh, well, maybe just for me. <laughs> oh, uh, right so, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought long and hard about it, and I just had to go back to my first cassette. Uh, and when I was in fourth grade, my old man got me a Walkman. Mm-hmm. And, uh,. I guess I don't know if he just didn't have enough cash to give me a tape or if he just wanted to pass something down that he had and so he gave me the Cars greatest hits. That was my first cassette and the song that I would just finish and then immediately hit rewind and then play it again was Drive.
4: Who's gonna tell you when it's too
2: So like even in fourth grade you fell down a complete hole with like a song.
0: Just yeah, I have this one specific memory of going out to this Italian restaurant with a bunch of my family. Like my grandparents were there and I had just gotten this thing and I was just sitting outside on the curb, just like, I can't stop listening to this. And I didn't even (laughs) want to go inside to hang out with anyone and and it was that song for sure. We're actually um, we're actually gonna cover that uh, as a band. Oh cool uh, that song. So I'm excited about that too. But
2: And when you were in fourth grade, were you I mean, was that the first song you'd ever done that with or been able to do it with? Because before that, I guess if you didn't have your own...
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't have an older brother and, you know, uh, so I didn't have anyone just to sit at home with to show me music. So music wasn't really a thing for me at that age, you know? You don't
2: come from like a musical family? <clears throat> or? No,
0: nothing like that. And, uh, you know, my old man's a software designer, engineer, and, mm-hmm. you know, and my mom's a stay at home mom, raising four kids. And it's like, there wasn't just hey, check out this song, or anything, you know, there wasn't anything like that, and I was playing baseball as a little kid, and, you know, just hanging out with my friends, you know, riding bikes around, you know, music was, like, something that happened in the car when we were driving. When the adults turned on the radio. Yeah, totally, it wasn't, like, a thing for me, and uh, I remember falling in love with that tune, and I think that, like, planted a lot of seeds for me for music today, like, I mean, I'm a song, singer-songwriter, folk guy, or whatever, but I don't... I don't listen to a lot of music like mine. I listen to like The Killers, or I listen to The National, or I listen to War on Drugs. I think those bands are like some of the best bands in the world. You know, you have
2: like a real rock bedrock. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like that pop sensibility. I yeah. think that's where it comes from. My music is because of songs like that, that were just, you know, just a lot of emotion and kind of dark and dreamy. But there was always that hook, you right. know, and mm-hmm. and I loved that about that song. And I think that's, I think that song specifically, if you want to word, use the word transform, is my transformative. I mean,
2: me. do you remember how it made you feel? Like what it was about that song, as know. opposed to like just what I needed or something, you know? Like. I don't know.
0: I don't know what it was about that soon. Maybe just how dreamy it was. Uh-huh. Um, I couldn't I couldn't tell you. That was so long ago now. But I'll never forget just that moment, just sitting in the back of the car listening to it or being in an Italian restaurant and just putting it on repeat and repeat, you know?
2: And then how long until you started playing music? Because it sounds like in fourth grade... I mean, some people had started playing in fourth grade, not me. But like, oh, no, yeah, not me. I mean, some people had started playing music. But it sounds like you were like playing baseball, hanging out with your friends. How long was it until you picked up a guitar and actually started?
0: It was playing? twelve years later, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess I was like. What what are you in fourth grade? Nine?
2: I don't know. I was trying to figure that out, and I just kept saying fourth grade because I, I didn't want to do the math. guess or something.
0: So I was... Uh, it wasn't that long ago. Nine yeah, or it was, ten. Yeah, I was 17 when I picked up guitar. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was a long time um, because I was still doing the baseball thing, and but I was listening to music, and I think my old man and I bonded over music because he gave that to me. And so... You Know on drives to school, like he would show me new records that he got, you know. And so I felt. oh, little... so
2: you did end up kind of getting that, yeah, experience from your dad, totally, not yeah, like yeah. from your older brother, but right, from your dad right. being like, check this out, totally, let me hip you to this,
0: yeah, yeah. And I, I think he ruined me in a lot of ways because I'm like, in, I'm 14 and I'm he's showing me Fiona Apple, you know, and I'm like, your dad played you Fiona oh, Apple, oh, yeah, yeah. You just turned 32, actually. You just turned 32?
2: Yeah, yeah. So Fiona Apple was just a little, like... I mean, that was kind of current. Was he playing you current? Oh, yeah, it?
0: current things. Yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah, totally. Like Your so, dad
2: was super hip, then. Yeah,
0: he's, like, all obsessed with, like, top 40 stuff or whatever. <laughs> it's, like, the show... And he goes to see a lot of concerts. And But I kind of look back, and I'm like, I wish he would have showed me, like, Zeppelin. You know, like, that would have been cool...
2: fell in with um, who I consider to be the most awesome group of kids I in high so. school, the choir and theater I think people, so. and the band yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had a great time. And so then you started playing guitar when you were like 17. That's right. right? And did you try to go back to Drive? Did you, like, did you try to learn it then? Was it no, one of those songs? No, no? it wasn't
0: until recently. Like in the last couple of months, I was, I don't know where I was, but it came on somewhere. And It was just a flashback of all these memories, and feelings. like all of a sudden, you're there oh, in fourth yeah. grade again, yeah, it was in weird. love with, yeah, in love a with the song,
2: yeah,
4: who's gonna hold it down when you
0: They say this is the last time. How do you make it last when they gone? How do you feel the fire
1: Yeah. Who would have thunk, thunk it? Who would have th- I mean it's more more in line with his album art, I think. Because when you <laughs> see the album art and then you hear some of his music, you're like, okay, that's there's a little bit of there's a lot of a disconnect there, but no, that totally glues it all together.
2: Well and I like that idea of like even though his Personal style is very kind of singer songwriter mm-hmm. folk, where he the music that he listens to is really pop inspired, and so that does make it in. I mean, he is very for folk
1: music, it's very hooky, yes, folk music. Uh-huh. um well, I think his My KUTX kind of speaks to that too.
2: Yeah, oh, speaking of My ktx as artist <laughs> of the month, he's had all these cool things like My ktx Song of the Day, the Austin Music Minute, um, and you, listener, can check. All of those out on ktx.org, or go to iTunes and subscribe to all of our podcasts like this oh. one. My, and uh, my KTX is not a podcast, but Song of the Day, Austin Music Minute and this are. That's one of the benefits of being an artist of the month here at KUTX. Um, and what we heard coming out of that was a live version of how do you get him back from his Studio 1A performance, which you can also get at
1: ktx.org. Yeah.
2: It's all on the Internet, Taylor. It's all
1: <laughs> it is Elizabeth. There is a gold mine of music on KUTX. There actually is. Talk about falling into a hole. You could actually fall into a music hole at KUTX. Including the sub the subject or the tab, the rabbit hole, which has all of our sat music satire articles. See gold mine. That's what we're talking about.
2: And that's it. We've come to the end of yet another This Song episode. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 Austin. This episode was produced and edited by myself, Elizabeth McQueen, and David Sanger, who is my husband, with help. Help. I'm saying it like this. With with help from Art Levy. (laughs) I don't know if I was trying to say with hope and help at the same time. She was just trying to say help. Help. It was help. The interviews were recorded by Cliff Hargrove and Taylor Wallace and myself. Special thanks to Peter Babb, who books all the bands in Studio 1A. And our theme song is Mahoot by Austin's own hard-proof Afrobeat. And Taylor, thank you so much for doing the interview with Holly Miranda. Thank you. And I look forward to many more Taylor Wallace this
1: <laughs> as, song interviews. As do I. Yay! Excellent. <laughs> Let's do this
2: thing. Um, Is there anything you want to say to the listeners before we go?
1: (laughs) Instead of ending with that, let's just end with Breakfast Club freeze frame. (laughs) Awesome. That will be the image that we put out there. Freeze frame. But
2: it's us. (laughs) Thanks so much. You can hear Taylor Wallace uh, every Saturday night between 11 and 3 on KTX. She will get you to the club and bring you home from the club because she's awesome. Thanks a lot, you. Thank you.